0: A lot of people, like you said, focus on that visual aspect, like I want to have a pretty brand, I want to have beautiful fonts or a color palette I love or whatever, and their offer sucks. Like, create something that people want to buy, and then invest some of that money into building, you know, the brand that they've all communicated to you that they want from you, right?
1: Welcome to Marketing Unfiltered, where I ditch the highlight reel and share the unfiltered truth about how to get clients online. The good, the bad, and the OMG, thank god I'm not the only one. I'm Sophia Para, let's dive in. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Marketing Unfiltered. Today we have Amanda on the show. Now, Amanda is the founder of Liberty Type, and she helps business owners with their branding. And I'm talking Everything from your brand colors to your website to your copy to your social media. If you are feeling like things are not working together, she is here to help you make them all work together. And I loved this conversation because I feel like we could get really honest about what parts of branding are extremely important for the beginning, what parts of branding are not extremely important in the beginning, what the heck is branding? What are the things that people are missing about their branding or constantly overlooking? How can we choose the right brand colors for us? Is there an order of importance when it comes to branding? How can you brand different offers? Meaning like if you have a course or a membership, how can you brand them so that they feel different, but it's also clear that they're from the same person? I mean, we really dove into a lot of very specific details around branding. And the reason we did that is so honestly, for me, I really wanted to clear up any confusion around it. I feel like some people put too much importance on it, especially in the beginning. And then some people I feel like don't even think about it at all. So I really tried to have a conversation where you had enough information to understand what you needed to dive in first, what felt like a priority right now. Um, and then when you made that decision on what felt like a priority, you kind of knew what your next step would be. Um, especially when it came to her message around copy, I really loved what she had to say about copy. I don't know about you, but I can't say I really considered copy part of your branding in my brain. Branding is so much about the visual, but this was a big point that she made that that copy is probably the overlooked part, the most overlooked part of your branding, um, and, and and really what it comes down to is the brand voice, right? So we talked a lot about that as well. In other words, we go in all kinds of directions because branding can be very all-encompassing. So if you know that your brand identity is not as clear as you want it to be right now, this could be a very helpful episode for you. So without further ado, let's dive in. Amanda Berg, welcome to Marketing Unfiltered three kids and having your own business. I'm, I'm so impressed by that. Like, is that, is that absolute chaos? Have you always had that? Like, do you know what business without kids is like,
0: (laughs) or is it? Yeah. I mean, I don't know a business without kids. I, I started my business when I was pregnant with my son. So, I mean, by the time it, you know business got going and i really had like steady clients and and figured out a little bit of what i was doing i had a newborn baby so i've kind of always been figuring Whoa. that out but Whoa. my youngest is 7 months old so this is you know i'm i'm fresh into having 3
1: kids but oh my gosh so okay so you literally like your whole entrepreneur entrepreneurial journey has been with children yeah like i'm just so curious like, and feel free to not want to answer this question, but what made you like start the business when you were pregnant? That just seems like very interesting timing. Yeah. Like in,
0: in hindsight, it doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> I didn't start the business intentionally. So I yeah. think why, right? I was a breaking news journalist at the time. So I was like, um, helping with some of our marketing and, and doing some of that. So I kind of was, got interested in that aspect of it. Um, and I knew, you know, being newly pregnant, like I wasn't going to be able to cover stabbings and things like that with a baby, right? So, like, I need a more remote work from home, yeah. flexible type of job than what I had. And I just, I really fell in love with graphic design, and so I started teaching myself that and and learning it. And I just, I really fell in love with that. I just kind of spur of the moment decided, like, I'm just going to start a business and see if it if it does anything. And I got a client three days after I like put it out there. Wow. And so it's just been steadily progressing since then. But yeah, I didn't
1: purposely. Yeah. It just start. kind of totally. Yeah. You're like an accidental entrepreneur kind of. Yeah. 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 That's really cool. I'm kind I'm also accidental, obviously completely different story. I do not have kids at the moment, but, but also completely accidental. Like I, I had the delusion that I was an actor at the time and I had the delusion that starting your own business would be easier and like, would be easier than having five day jobs. And to be honest, (laughs) I truly don't think that's the case. (laughs) Yeah. Like like I had five day jobs to pay my like bills and I was living in New York city. It's like one of the most expensive cities in the world. And I was an actor that doesn't really pay very consistently. Sometimes doesn't pay at all for like Months, I even was not paid for a year once. Like, I mean, it is such an inconsistent job. And so I, I had to have five jobs just to make sure I knew I had money coming in. And, um, yeah. And then one day I was like, I'm really tired. I have an idea. I'll start a business that'll solve my problems. It's complete delusion, but it did work out for me. Actually, it's just that it didn't, it was not. Easy, which is what I thought it would be. I was like, "Oh, that looks so fucking easy."
0: <laughs> yeah, I I think I had delusion as well, and just like, "Oh, this is so fun!" And so, if someone would yeah. like pay me to design something like that, would just be such a dream. But I've I've gone through the like five day jobs to pay bills, yeah, type thing too. Um, and the the year prior to starting my business, I had. I don't even know how many, so many jobs, random things just to make ends meet. Um, and like each one had slowly kind of ended like, oh, we don't need your help anymore. Oh, you're being laid off. Oh, and it got to a point where I had none, you know, um, and then I went full time into into journalism. And so that kind of led to the next thing. So it's interesting how,
1: yeah. how things kind of happen. Also, like a breaking news journalist that is so that's a fascinating job. Like, did you go to school for that? or like, like was has that was that your dream job? Like, how did that happen? Oh, yeah, i I always wanted to
0: be a writer. I don't know about a news journalist, but i I definitely always wanted to be a writer. And journalism seems like maybe the most reliable way of being a writer, as mm-hmm. in having, a job having a gig. Right. Yeah. But I, I really loved it. I mean, it's an alarming responsibility to, you know, one of the first to hear about things and be in charge of whatever that narrative is. So that was really fun.
1: Um, and very interesting.
0: How long were you, how long did you do that? Almost eight years.
1: Oh my gosh. That really was like a career, like a previous career. Yeah. It wasn't just like a job. Yeah. That's that's pretty cool. What was the craziest story you ever reported on?
0: <laughs> um there was a like a quadruple homicide one of my last years. I don't know if you heard of the Cosmo Donardo case where he like lured a bunch of men to a farm and then murdered them and buried their bodies there. But that was one of the last
1: cases that I worked on. Was there was there like a like a dateline series on that or something oh, or like yeah. i think i did see that holy schmoly that's crazy yeah. yeah that's really crazy oh i love that i i'm so into like true crime and like dateline and like oh, oh my god it's so bad like my husband comes in as i'm working and i have like crazy documentaries about like murders <laughs> and he's
0: literally like honestly what's wrong with you <laughs> It's so funny how many women love yeah. true crime stuff. I just saw a a TikTok or something the other day that was like, Oh, I always cringe when I'm watching true crime and they say, Oh, the mom stayed home, wait by the phone, and her brother and her father and her husband went out looking for her. Like, don't send men out looking for someone. <laughs> like, send the woman like like find any woman that can like know someone's entire history just based on their name right like a woman can find the missing girl like it was so funny but honestly
1: that is such a good real idea that's so true i mean even basic things around the house i think about like my husband's skills and finding things is ridiculous i'm like like he'll be like where's my i don't know keys? something really basic And I will literally go to the first place and find it. And he's been like, I've been looking for like 30 minutes. I'm like, Bradley, what the heck? How does your brain work? This is literally the most obvious location. What I've
0: this is so (laughs) off topic, but like what I found is that my husband doesn't move anything when he looks, and I think that's the problem with men. They just scan, they visually scan like radar, and if they don't see it, it's not there. It's like, okay, but like if it's always on this table and you don't see it maybe pick up like the jacket on the table and yes. underneath like that, that thought never occurs to them. It's so funny. My son is the
1: same way. Like he just scans. Oh my god, it's not there. Like they don't move <laughs> anything to check. Honestly, that's so true. My that's, that's how my husband works too. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Okay. I'm finally going to explain this to him. So maybe, maybe I'll all help him. I will guide him. <laughs> Okay. This is so off topic. So thank you for joining me today. Um, what do you guys do for your clients? Yeah.
0: So we're a branding agency. Uh, we're full service, but our, our specialty really lies in, you know, that we can design your brand, develop your brand, write all your brand messaging, write your website, copy, and then design your website. Um, and then we have marketing services as well that we can help with. But, um, I found it's, much more convenient for a business owner to just like find a team that they um, love to work with and then just continue to work with that team to develop their brand and not have to you know find all these different freelancers and companies and work with everybody's timelines and everyone's style of working and hope everybody gets the vision and all of that so the idea is that you can come in whether you're established or a new business and and work with our team of women and we can, you know, take it from vision to reality.
1: Yeah. And what I love about how you are, I mean, you and I have just met recently, but what from what I can see is like, I love how you're laid out. Like you have like an individual who's kind of like an expert or like the head of like certain departments. So you like have someone who does your website, someone who does the copy. And I has, have you always like, did you start your business with a team? Like, so this was the vision or were you once a one man show or a one woman show? And then you brought new people on, like, how did that, how did that process or how did that play out for you?
0: Yeah. I mean, when I started, it was just me and it was me for probably the first two years or three years. Um, and then you did
1: all of that. Did you do all that? Yeah.
0: Whoa. Yeah. So, you know, you and I were talking before about my career as a journalist. And so I had all this copy background. So that was really what I came into the business having the most experience Mm -hmm. in. And then I taught myself, you know, graphic design and web design just as a passion. And so when I first started the business, we just did branding. So we just did logos and all of that um and it just kind of progressed from there so we had a client that hired us to do her branding and then she was like well you used to be a journalist so can you like help me with my messaging and write my copy and i'm like yeah i guess we could do that you know yeah um and then it was well where is all of this going to go could you design a website for me yeah sure i know how to do that like i'm always just a yeah no problem i've done that before yeah um and kind of learn as you go so that's kind of how it it's progressed and i love being a part of that whole that whole process. So it, it's made sense for me. Um, and then as we've, we've grown and just gotten busier, I've had to hire, you know, well, yeah. but that's been important to me is to find someone whose specialty really is copy or branding or marketing or websites and all of that. And then being that, that outlet for collaboration, right? Like allowing all of those people that never used to speak to one another all collaborate in one, in one spot on a project.
1: Yeah. And I actually think that's like something I'm so curious about as a business owner, because I, I I had an agency before this and a really difficult part of the agency life was all of us working together when we're working remotely and like the communication, Um, and something that I've, I'm quite impressed with you is like, like a big value of yours. It seems just what I'm, what I'm picking up is just like the deadlines. You like have hard deadlines. You, you hand things in when you say you're going to hand things in. And I know that from our conversation, uh, on our mastermind call, you know, that this, that's like part of your system. It's like, like you're, you're very strict with your deadlines. So I'm so curious, like, do you have any tips for someone you know, with so many people kind of with their hands in the, in the project, like, how are you keeping, how's, how are you maintaining this communication so that these deadlines can actually be met for everyone? Because there's like a lot of different projects that need to be meeting a deadline. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I developed this deadline thing really out of, I mean, I had to with having, Kids at home. My husband had a really demanding job when I first started the business. And so I was, you know, a stay at home mom that also had this, this business. So, um, you know, I in the past, you know, have been a major procrastinator and I wait until the last minute and I stress myself out over things and all of that. So I knew if this business was going to be successful, that was not going to work. Uh, and so developing those, like, these are the days that revisions are always due. These are the days we always collaborate on a project. These are the, and just having that, that system. And now even our clients know that system, like it's Tuesday. I know revisions are, I'm working on them. I'm finishing them up. Like, so we've had that that. for so long now, but I think having those, you know, those times where our team can meet and collaborate is, is so important because even when I feel like i always develop the direction for a project and i'll get it like 90% there and then i kind of bring everyone in and then it just explodes right because i there's all these different perspectives and all of that but having a container cuz i think so many creatives they're just like oh i'll work when i'm creative i'll work when i'm feeling it and like creativity needs parameters right it needs a container around it or nothing ever gets accomplished yeah. I, I only worked when i wanted
1: to Our clients would never launch their, their brands. Oh my gosh. I love that. Creativity needs parameters. That's such a good quote. Um, I also love what you said about you almost like assign days for certain projects. So people know like Tuesday is a revision day. Like you kind of like, you know, how everyone's showing up and what to expect. Like everyone has clear expectations of that day. That's another really good tip. I feel like even some people who don't have teams could use that. Like this is actually someone recently told me like have like your content days on Mondays, like on Mondays, that's the day you do content. So if your team has like content requests of you or anything, like they know to only assign those on a Monday and then Tuesday is this and Wednesday is that. And I, I have to, I'll admit, like I've never been able to successfully run like that. But in 2024, I've really tried to because I've just like always struggled with burnout. It's just something that happens to me. And I think one of the reasons is that I don't have a ton of parameters. Like I, I don't have great boundaries with my clients either. Like I just love to like give to them. <laughs> so I just like don't have great boundaries, but then I don't have boundaries with myself either. Like I don't have expectations, which means sometimes I give my, put my, too much on my to-do list. Like, you know, I I just, I I like, I just tend to fall into that bucket. So having days where this is like an assigned, like assigned task has really helped me so far. Uh, Yeah. So I really love that tip. Have you always done it like that? No. I mean,
0: when I first started, I did unlimited revisions for clients. Yeah. Whenever they answered, whenever they sent things in, you know, whenever I was feeling it that's when I got it done. And like... Uh, someone that has that procrastination and, and struggles with boundaries and all of that that's already difficult right to actually yeah. turn out things um and then having kids it's like well if today was the only day that I I waited to the last minute and you know I allowed myself today to work on this thing and now my son decided that he's not napping today yeah now I've let down a client it's not getting done right so I've you know, built in where I I say it's going to take us five and I know it really takes two, right. To just give us that flexibility and give us that wiggle room so that we can, you know, over deliver 99% of the time. Um, so it's, I, I tell people when they're, they're starting to work with us, you know, our, our team at least, because a lot of agencies and stuff don't operate this way. So like, you're going to feel like these, these deadlines are like so strict And like, how am I going to live up to this? How am I going to get all this done? And I preach flexibility a lot in the job. So I'm like, it's going to feel like counterintuitive. Like these deadlines don't equal flexibility, but when you have deadlines, that's when you have flexibility. Yes. So, and I I think they've all come to, I know they've all come to learn that. And that took me a while to realizing like by giving myself these strict parameters, that's when I was going to have. The most freedom in my business.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that. Switching gears a little bit. If you could go like back in time to the beginning, and maybe it's linked to this. So when you first started your business, is there anything that you feel like, gosh, I wish I had figured this out sooner, or like, or is there anything you'd warn yourself about, like don't do this or start this a little bit earlier or anything like that?
0: I think it it took me a long time to focus in on the copy as being our sweet spot. Mm -hmm. Because copy, I think it's, it's become more appealing as the years have gone on. But for those first beginning years, it did not feel like the sexy thing to do or focus on. Um, And it's really always been our, our sweet spot. Like the fact that we, we understand the messaging and the visuals behind something. And I hadn't seen any other businesses doing that. Like any other branding agencies also offering copy or the other way around. And so I kind of shied away from it for a a while and I wish I would have like honed in on that secret sauce earlier. And yeah, I I still struggle with that. Like how to really dive into that thing. Right.
1: Yeah. And do you feel like you didn't dive into that? Like was what I love how you're like, it wasn't like the sexy thing to do. So, so you kind of like maybe didn't dive in head first, but was there any like, was there was any resistance like out of confidence around it? Or was it like, like, cause I feel like there's a lot of people, they're not saying yes to the thing that they know they're great at because they're like, oh, this, no one's going to buy it. Like they're just making assumptions before trying it. Was, was that some of it for you as well? I
0: think it was around the fact that it felt too easy. Like, yeah, you know, I totally see that easy. And so naturally to your, you, you're like, how could I build an entire business around doing that. And I struggle with that now, now that we have honed in on that and, and we have a very successful business. Like I struggle with that constantly. Like what gives me the right to make a lot of money doing something that feels so easy. Like we're going on a podcast and talking about something that feels so like you don't get it. It's so easy to me. So I think that that's been hard.
1: I, isn't that funny how like, it's like, we have this belief that it has to be so hard. <laughs> and it's like, it's so, such a messed up part of our society, if I'm being honest. Like, I see this in myself all the time. And then I think like some things social media makes it look like it's really easy and it's actually, that's actually not easy. Like I was just, I did another podcast episode recently about how a lot of marketers make it look like all you do to build an online business is like sit on the beach with like a martini and like literally launch a website and you're like a million dollar business owner in like a week, you know, like they like have like kind of give you some unrealistic expectations. So it's weird. Like some things we think should be easy and they're actually not that easy. And then some things actually can be easy, but we make them so fucking hard. It's just so yeah. confusing. <laughs> yes, that's
0: definitely been my my mantra that I've been trying to remember. Cause I have a tendency to like really over deliver on things and really pack everything I can into something. And I'm just trying to remind myself, like, let it be easy. Like yeah. just let it be
1: simple. Yeah. I, 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 I remind, try to remind myself of that constantly. Um, a lot of people inside of this community are really focused on growing their email list. Like this is, you know, they, they're, they have dreams of launching a membership or an online course and they understand that part of that is like having a community to sell those lower ticket items to. Um, what's your favorite way to grow your email list? I could probably be much better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and let's be real. Um, I mean, I've seen people do quizzes that have been really great. Yeah, I mean, people love to kind of insert themselves into things like what's in it for me or like, I want to know what type of potato I am, right? Like those BuzzFeed things. Um, But yeah, I think quizzes are great. I mean, we do a lot of lead magnets for our clients. Podcasts can be really great. Yeah. Um, I, I think we... As an agency have a tendency to like be there to help other people build out their stuff. And that's, we probably lack a lot in our own marketing. Yeah.
1: yeah I, I do think that this is the hardest thing to do for people who have agencies because when I had an agency as well, this was, I would always forget to do stuff like this for myself because I was so focused on it for everyone else. Um, so yeah, I can totally, Totally relate to that, <laughs> um, but and I do feel like you mentioned quizzes. So, so it's not, are you, are you, a lot of your clients doing quizzes? Because a lot of people are mentioning quizzes right now.
0: Yeah, I I definitely see the the uptick in that. Yeah, it used to be a lot of lead magnets. Now a lot of people, you know, are doing podcasts or private podcasts or quizzes. So it tends to be. It seems like it's headed in that direction. I think everyone's just so overwhelmed with like, oh my god, how many PDFs have I signed up for and. <laughs> Got me nowhere, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think for me, um, I'm also. You're right. Seeing such an uptick in private podcasts, which I find really interesting. You, are you working on list growth with clients? Is that or, or by the time they're doing list growth, are you kind of out of the picture at that point?
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes they'll they'll come back to us when they want to build that, and it's it's more like you know the design of uh, what I see look like yeah. Um, but really, we're helping them get that that website. You know, up yeah. running so that they can start collecting those things. Yeah. I mean, we, we can be as full service as a client wants us to be.
1: Yeah. That's really cool. That's really cool. I have a lot of questions about that later. So I'll come back to those things later. Um, where do you personally like for your business? Like, where do you find like what kind of content do you like to create for your business? And this might be another agent's like, Oh, it's, I'm an agency. I do this too much for other people because that's how it was for me as well. But is there a place where you feel like personally for your business that Like if, like in a year, if you could only create content in one spot, like which, where do you think you would probably focus on if you had to be, if you had to make that decision?
0: I, I mean, I really like emails. Like I like writing out emails that feels the most comfortable for me because I'm not a super like in front of the camera type. Yeah. So creating
1: social media content where I have to show up physically is hard for me. Emails are a big thing for me as well. How, how many emails do you send a week? Typically one to two, not many. Yeah. But it's in, like, I love that you said one to two, because I feel like I have some people in the audience who are like, Oh my God, like I'll just do one a month. Cause I don't want to be annoying. And for me, I just like, do not feel like one a month is enough. Do you feel like that as
0: well? Yeah. I mean, I feel like you should be selling probably more than you are. Right. However much that yes. is so many things go unnoticed. Like I can post about something five times and my most dedicated followers are like, oh, I didn't even see that, you know? So yes. I'm trying to remind that, you know, remind myself of that too, to just try and sell more than I'm selling now.
1: Okay, I love that you just said that. Do you have a, like a a certain amount of times that you try to sell to your list? Like, do you think of it like that? Like, oh, I, I should be at least selling like, Putting out one sales email email like a month, or like, do you have kind of like a quota that you try to hit, or are you not? Do you not think of it that way, and you're just kind of just know you need to be doing it more often?
0: Yeah, (laughs) I I think it's the latter. I mean, I'm I like to educate in the list, yeah, and maybe offer some different perspectives. I think if I could be more comfortable in front of the camera, then TikTok would probably be where I would like to create content. I create a lot of content, but I. I have a social media intern that gets in front of the camera and does it for me uh, because I'm just not at that point yet. But I just like those. I like I'm a projector. So which is funny because I just got into this like four days ago. But
1: that's right. That was from the arc hall, wasn't it? Yes.
0: After that, I like I wrote it down on my paper, like human design, look up what you are, you know, and then I did. And I just like it was all I read all weekend. Like I was just reading about it so much. But I love like being a guide for people and offering different perspectives for things. Yes. And so I love just like, hey, what if this brand did this instead? And then talking about it, right? Like these hypothetical type things. So I love to brainstorm TikTok content and some of that goes into emails. Um, it's just a yeah. like front of the camera thing I don't love.
1: Yeah. So this kind of leads me into my final question of spill the tea. When you're feeling nervous or anxious about something, like if there is something in your business that you like, don't feel totally comfortable about, like, how do you navigate that? Like, is there something that you do to kind of like shake yourself out of your funk and do it anyway? Or it sounds like something that you did, which I'm very, like, I find very creative. You like kind of find a loophole. You're like, I'll get an intern to do it for me. (laughs) I
0: love that you just called that a loophole. But seriously, I'm—I think I've, maybe it's just being bi- in business longer or getting older. I just feel like if I'm not excited to do anything, it's probably better off if I just don't do it. Because I would love that. I will just drag my feet forever. Yeah, it will not be anything like what someone else is capable of doing. It'll cause me so much anxiety. And like maybe that's I'm limiting myself because I'm not you know trying a bunch of new things. But I'm just like, that does not excite me at all. I know that we should be on TikTok. I know that we should be creating content on there. So I'm just like, hey, I'll do the part of it that I really like. And then this 22-year-old college student who loves, you know, who knows all the cool phrases everyone's saying and knows how to show up there, she can put her fun spin on it and do it. But yeah, I'm usually finding a loophole. Like, how can I, for that, I let it be easy, right? I'm like, yes, I, I love that. I'm not excited that I'm like, okay, what's the easiest way that I can accomplish this? Yeah,
1: well, I kind of like though as well that you've, it. I don't know if this is intentional, but it feels intentional now. now that I'm speaking to you. It's like, you've created a brand where it's like, It's not about your face. It's not about you know you don't you, Amanda, don't have to be plastered all over it. It's like you kind of created it with the team in mind. I have seen reels on your Instagram page that are your marketing intern, not you. Do you know what I mean? And like it because that's it seems intentional. So it's like I'm not on there looking for Amanda. I'm on there just like looking for like your company. And your company has multiple faces. Uh, was that all an intentional decision for this reason? Yeah, I
0: guess so. I mean, I I don't think I had the the foresight to think yeah that intentionally about it. But looking back, I can see all those kind of moves that I've made to distance myself from it. Yeah, I I like having the team. I think that's a way that a lot of people know us is having that that team of of women. So yeah. I want them to have that opportunity too to show their face and show up how they want to yeah. and. I think it just speaks to what we're about. I mean, Liberty Type, what we offer isn't just what I can do, right? It's a a culmination of everyone's expertise. And so it shouldn't just be my face up there.
1: I really like that. I really like that. And it sets us up to actually talk about... Branding. <laughs> so branding. I I truly and like was thinking about this today. I was so excited when when we kind of had like a brief email exchange, and you're like, oh, like you can talk about any of these things, right? And I was like, wow, I feel like we haven't really had a conversation about branding on a marketing web podcast, which is fucking crazy <laughs> when I think about it. But like, can you talk in your own words, like what the fuck is branding for anyone who's listening is like, I, I like would think I know what branding is, but I don't really know how to put it into words. Like how, like, what do you, how do you describe branding? Does that question even make sense? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that's probably the most common one I get like, Oh, good. Good. Yeah. I think
0: branding it's, it's just the way that you show up, right? It's the way that you build recognition. So I think you know, one of the most common mistakes is that we're looking for what everyone else is doing when we're creating our brand, which is like, do the complete opposite of that. Like what is everyone not doing and create that? So that's, yeah, that's my idea. Branding.
1: Yeah. And it's like, I think that a lot of people just focus on visual aspects of it. Yeah. I feel like when people talk about branding, they're just thinking about the visual aspect of it. For you, are like, do you feel like if it's like how we're showing up, it's real, it's copy as it's like the voice as well as the visual. Is that what you would say?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I and I think that's what separates us, right, from Mm -hmm. other people is that we're we're building that voice and that brand message with the visuals too, because it really is everything. I mean, you can have a super awesome looking brand, but if no one knows who you are, your voice, yeah. sounds like everyone else's like, there's no recognizability in that aspect, then you don't have a great brand.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And forgive me. I might ask some really stupid questions in the beginning, but I just like, don't know that I like know the answer to them. So I might as well ask them. Right. But I feel like, hey, this is why I think it's kind of stupid. Like on for people who are just getting started, right. Like there, a lot of people might be feeling like Oh, but like, I'm, I'm right at the beginning. Like, I don't really know. Like, I, I'm afraid to make a decision about my brand. And then, like, as I discover myself as a business owner, feel completely disconnected from that brand. How do you suggest people get started with their brand? Like, is it something that we do need to have right at the beginning? Is it something like, is there something we should kind of have as a placeholder before, until we get to that point of, like, knowing who we are as a business owner? Or, like, how do we start with this?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, no matter how established you are, I think we've all seen super established people that all of a sudden feel disconnected to their brand and head in a different direction. So that is not a a newbie problem. Yeah. But we're, you know, your business is a evolving thing, right? So you're always going to be learning more about your person or your offers or what you want to provide, how you want to say it. So there's always room for improvement and you know, tweaking things and all of that. Maybe I'll, you know, be my, my own worst advocate, but I don't know that branding is the most important thing when you're, when you're first starting. I think having an offer that people want is the most important thing. I mean, we've seen people be successful without good brands, without sales pages. I think when you get to a certain point where you're really trying to distinguish yourself is when it becomes really important. Obviously the, the longer that you've been building that, the easier it probably is for you. Yeah. But I think a lot of people, like you said, focus on that visual aspect. Like I want to have a pretty brand. I want to have beautiful fonts or a color palette I love or whatever. And their offer sucks. Like create something that people want to buy and then invest some of that money into building, you know, the brand that they've all communicated to you that they want from you, right?
1: Yeah, I love that. So w- with regards to like, okay, so we let's say someone has created something that people wanna buy and now they are getting serious about their brand, right? Okay, again, this could be a really stupid question, but something that I struggled with, I still struggle with, like I just realized yesterday that I'm feeling a little disconnected from my white I, I, I tend to be white, black and pink. Like those are like my brand colors or have been historically. And when I first started, I picked some really fugly brand colors, if I'm being honest. (laughs) And like, and like literally like six months in, I was like looking at my website and I was just like, Oh my God, this feels like a moldy vintage store. Like it was just like the wrong. It was not me, you know? And then suddenly I, I, gravitated more towards this white, black, pink. And I I think it was because pink technically is like, I love the color pink, but then white and black, to be honest, was just because it was like, I don't have to deal with hex codes. I was so fucking lazy. I just didn't want a hex code. (laughs) So that was really how I picked my colors. Is there a more strategic way to... Because I think I get a lot of questions about this and I never claim to know the answer because I'm like, I don't fucking know about your brand colors. Like That's not my strength, you know, is there like, how do, how should we go about this? Like, is it purely a, I like those colors together or is it, or, or should we be thinking about colors and, and kind of, at least as a starting point for the rest, for the rest of it more strategically?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's definitely color psychology, right? Different Mm -hmm. colors communicate different things. I think those rules can be broken as well. I think it needs to feel authentic to you because your brand is how you show up everywhere, right? So if I was doing this podcast and I had a hot pink wall behind me, it would not feel like Liberty type, right? Right. So, you know, I, I mean, green is in our palette because I just love green. Like I'll wear green all the time, you know, accidentally, oh my gosh, I'm wearing a green sweater today, whatever. I mean, I love green. So that's, And having some neutrals, that just makes it easy to like put on a brown sweater and do a podcast interview, right? So some of it can be out of convenience. And it has to feel authentic to you. Like, how do you authentically show up? I mean, I would also be wary of what do you like? But what do you like? Because it's popular right now too. Mm. Because I think, you know, a couple years ago, we saw everyone fall into the like, the neutral, deserty, boho vibe, right? And how many people actually liked that and were authentic? You know, that was really their brand and how many people fell into that trend because it was popular. Um, In 2016, it was all about like millennial pink and blush and script fonts and all of that. So I think that's why working with a professional can be so helpful because they can, take what feels like you and find where those gaps are in the market and create something that maybe you would not have been able to create on your own, but feels really like, oh, that just feels like me.
1: Yeah. I like that actually. I also, I mean, my unprofessional or uh, yeah, my unprofessional opinion about this when people asked was also like, like, I always think about what I want people to feel when they stumble upon a website or like content on social. And like, for me, it was that stimulation of like creativity. And I wanted it to feel like a lot. I wanted it to feel like very in your face. Not everyone wants that feeling. Some people were like, oh, my clients are really stressed. So I want everything to feel very Zen. So they did go for like the muted palettes and the things like that. But for me, I was the opposite. I was like, no, I want people to like, feel like creativity is in their face. And I want it to almost be like fun. I really want it to feel fun and vibrant. So the hot colors, like that's kind of why I have a lot of those because I was thinking about the feeling. Yeah. Uh Does that make sense as a, as a way in as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean,
0: we're always asking our clients, like, what, what do you want people to feel? Yeah. And I think it, it makes sense that you're, you've gravitated towards that because you have a very vibrant energy, right? Like you are a lot in the best way, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. It's like you're kind of coaching people into this is what you can expect from me. Right. Yes. And your colors can communicate that too. I mean, I'm kind of a level-headed neutral type of person. And so it makes sense that my vibe is like that, right? My branding is like that. If I was like super loud and in your face, it would just wouldn't match. So that's another, you know, another way you can figure out what that brand is. And it doesn't need to be limited to just colors. It's fonts, it's textures, it's the images, like your brand photo shoot. It's how you talk and how you communicate on social media. It's everything.
1: Yes. So on that note, is there like, again, for someone who's like, okay, I think I'm ready to really get serious about a cohesive brand. And let's say, let's just say that for the time being, they're not hiring someone for it. Maybe it's a budget concern or maybe they just aren't totally clear yet. So they, and they just don't feel like it's time. I don't, I don't know their reason, but let's say that they're not at that place yet. Is there like an order of importance of things. Like, w- do you recommend start with your website and then layer out from there or start with your social media content and then layer out from like, is there for you as, you know, someone who does this for, for people, is there a place that you like to start with them?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think I, I gravitate towards the website because, you know, I can't remember the last time I hired someone or paid for something and I didn't Google them and look at their website and, judge what type of business it was based on that presentation. Yeah. You know, maybe a younger generation person would go to Instagram and search them first there. So Mm. I, I think it, it speaks to maybe who your, your person is, who your ideal client is, where you choose to show up first I think your your website can be looked at more as evergreen content, right? It should stay updated. It should have your current offers, current pictures of you and all of that. But it's not something that you're updating every day or a couple times a week. So getting that established up there so that you have some type of presentation as to like who you are, what you do, it just makes finding that information a lot easier than social media where I may have to kind of click around a little bit and do some digging. And then social media can can be that thing that you're you're showing up more on a regular basis for.
1: Yeah. Is there anything that people tend to overlook when it comes to their branding or like forget about it? I feel like copy is still is still a huge thing that people are are lacking.
0: I mean, it's not enough to just write words on the page, right? You really have to bring them in, have a unique voice, have a unique way of of communicating. We're all tired of hearing the same phrases over yeah. and over again, or the same phrases we know someone got with chat GPT. Oh gosh. Right. That, so yeah, being unique in that, like, oh, wow. Like, you know, when you're reading something and you're just instantly like, oh my, I want to work with them. I don't care how I want to buy this thing. Like, because they've, they've spoken to you in some type of way.
1: Yeah. And, and how, like, how actually that's a good, really, really good point. Cause I feel like with chat GPT, everyone's now probably making the mistake that, Oh, I don't need, if, 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 if I'm not good at writing copy, Oh, I don't need to hire out for this anymore. Cause I can just use chat GPT. Mm-hmm. Do you see outside of that one? Cause I'm sure that is a mistake. What are some other mistakes people make with their copy? Or maybe the better question to ask is like, like, how can the everyday person? Who's not an expert copywriter, but still can write? Do you have advice for writing copy? Like, the, for example, for me in the line of work that I do, I feel like people tend to m- start with the formal too much. <laughs> like, we're not writing like we talk. And I, for the in the in the work that I do, writing like we talk is actually better than what we learned in in, coll- in uh, college in school. Our entire <laughs> our entire year, all of our years of school yeah. is that. Would you agree with that as well? And do you have any other oh, tips yeah. for people around that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a huge problem is not writing like you speak. I will recommend that people get like the voice memo notes thing out, right? And chat through like an offer or what you want someone to know, or, you know, pretend you're being interviewed. If I had to talk to my ideal client about this or why they'd want that and record it. I think that's you know, a lot of people think they can write their own copy because they did okay in English class in school, but yeah. writing marketing copy is totally different than writing MLA format or like whatever you're used to. It doesn't, things don't need to be spelled right. Punctuation <laughs> doesn't need to be right. Yeah. Like sentence structure doesn't need to be right. Yeah. I mean, it's, you want to read something and feel like they're speaking to you, like you yes. want to hear it in their voice you want to feel seen and feel heard when you're reading copy like that. So definitely recording yourself. I think also like interviewing your past clients on video so that they're talking how they speak and not just filling out a testimonial form where they're going to get all formal all of a sudden and all of that. So I think your, your own past clients can be like the best copywriters for you taking exactly what they say and turning it into a headline.
1: Yeah, no, that's really, really true. And I'm even thinking about like, you know, like since we're talking about like websites as well, like, like copy, I was actually writing a new sales page yesterday with the help of someone. I was not doing it myself because I actually am a very good writer and I feel like I really understand copywriting and also doing it myself for my own business is so much harder than doing it for someone else's. Yeah, It's like really hard. It, it's like when you're too close to a project, it can be really hard to see the, the problems with what you're writing because it's just like so close to you. And I was thinking about this yesterday, how I really couldn't figure out the flow of my sales page and like how I should start and move into the next section and things like that for you as someone who does this with people, like, do you, Do you generally like think of your sales page copy in sections, like start with why they need this and then move into this? Like, do you have a formula or does that change from person to person depending on what the offer is?
0: Yeah. I mean, we follow a a set of parameters to make sure that we kind of hit all of the things, but I find that as I'm writing sometimes, like when I'm I'm writing a, a headline, I naturally will think of something else and we might skip over the pain points part. And go to the benefits, right? Just because your copy should have that that flow. And yeah. I think you can tell that when you're on a website and you'll read something, you're like, oh my God, that sounds so interesting. I want to book that call they were just talking about. And there's no button there to book the yes. call, right? So making sure that things have that kind of natural flow. We've all read enough sales pages that we know that general format. And it when you're seeing something again for the millionth time, it's like your eyes can just kind of glaze over it.
1: Yeah. Are there, do you have like a checklist of things where you're like, every sales page needs these top three things or anything like that that you could share with us? Yeah. I definitely think addressing what those
0: pain points are. And sometimes that looks like headings in a couple different sections. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it looks like bullet points. Sometimes it looks like showing a video testimonial or whatever that, that might look like. The, the mode can be different. Um, Definitely pain points. I mean, you have to say what's in your program. I mean, that's (laughs) like, you would be surprised, you know? I mean, you have to say what you're gonna be offering people. And you, like you are the secret, you are the secret sauce and your process is the secret sauce. Like how you're gonna deliver this and what makes it so much different than all the other things that we've tried before is huge.
1: Yeah, that's true. I also think... And this is kind of a question and kind of an observation. Like, there's a lot of pressure for people to like know your stories. Like, may like ha- like include story in all of your content that you create. And I have people inside of my membership so stressed out about this. Like, they're like, I don't have any stories, <laughs> or like, or maybe they do, but they're not recognizing it as a story. Like, but there's a lot of roadblocks around incorporating story. First of all, do do you see that pressure? as well. And is there, do you find that to be an important part of copywriting as well?
0: Yeah, I think story can be really important, but it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a personal story. I think that's why people get kind of tripped up. And this is why I think talking with your past clients is so important because I mean, anytime I've created something, I think that the the highlight is this and the transformation is this and this is really what people want and are going to get out of it. And it's always something totally different. Yeah. So figuring out what that is and communicating what that transformation is, you know, it's, it's not enough to say you're going to get a website at the end of this. Yeah. The transformation always feels totally different.
1: Yeah. I like that. And I actually, I think to understand those transformations, I I love your tip about like interviewing clients that have worked with you and like really understanding what the, what their transformation was. So, and maybe there's a story in there that can be incorporated to the work that you do. Right. Is, is, is that kind of like one way that you would identify that?
0: Yeah. I think if you can't think of a personal story, then sharing your, your clients wins in that kind of storytelling way is another way to do that.
1: Yeah. Okay. A question just came up for me as you talking and I, and I, maybe it's because I'm redoing sales pages and things like that, but I have multiple offers. I think a lot of people have multiple offers, whether it's just like a, you know, even if it's just a one hour long coaching session or a VIP day, we typically have more than one way that we can serve people. How slash do you, or do we need to differentiate in terms of branding between those two things. Like, I think that one thing that I got really hung up on last night when I was working with someone on this was I was just like, okay, but this membership has to feel different from this VIP day offer. Like, I don't want it to look exactly the same and yet I need it to be clear that it's from the same person. Like, how in our heads do we need to be about like kind of creating a separate, I don't know if the right term is a brand voice for each of these offers, but like, or... Or is it okay if branding wise, they look quite similar since the offer is different? I'm just curious if you have any, as an expert at this, if you have have any insight on that.
0: (laughs) I think it depends on the brand. Like how closely related are they? Are they like, is it an Ascension model where when someone finishes this, they're going to naturally go into your next program? Are they two totally different audiences? Like so true, you know? typically it's like, they're totally different things. So they need to be branded totally differently. Or like you were saying, it kind of all like maybe one, someone would do this and then they would do this later and you want it to be clear. They're all from the same person. So typically with that, we've done like kind of variations of a color palette. So yeah. maybe This is like the warmer version of the palette is this program and the cooler version of the palette is this program. And so they feel related, but you can tell they're different. And then that can translate into photography too, right? Like you're switching up the, the photos a little bit for this program versus this program, but it's very clear. It's all from the same creator. But if they have totally different audiences and all of that, I feel like that differentiation needs to be clear.
1: Yeah. Ooh, I really love that as like a lens. Like think about the audience if it, if it's completely different or yeah. they're at different stages or something that, of course, that has to be clear. But I love your tip about just using like a warmer versus a cooler palette. That seems like such a simple shift, actually, <laughs> and a very doable cooler color, like from the palette,
0: like, oh, I'm going to pink yeah. black from the palette and do this program and I'm going to pink my pink from the palette for this program. And that helps build that recognition, too, when you're posting about it. Like, oh, it's all pink. Oh, that must be Sophia's ex-program.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I really love this. Okay. (laughs) Um, Amanda, this was so helpful. And like, I sometimes feel kind of selfish when I do these episodes because so often... I, and I don't do it on purpose, but I have conversations with people like in while I'm in the middle of working on this thing. And I feel like that would just happen because I've literally been pulling my hair out over some branding decisions because I'm making a lot of changes this year. And you really, truly, you don't even know it yet, but you just like answered a lot of questions. in my head. <laughs> so I feel kind of selfish right now, but also very grateful. Thank you so much for stopping by and like giving us some insight into how a pro navigates this, these branding conversations. This was really, really helpful. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Thanks for having me so much. I appreciate it.
1: I know this is like the tip of the iceberg and also people can actually hire you to do this. And I saw some like really incredible offers on your website around how people can work with you. Can you tell us a little bit how people can hire you and also where we can kind of stay track, like keep track of you and, and stay in your world?
0: Yeah. So our our top offer is called the blueprint. So that's where we do strategy, branding, copy and website design all in one process for you. And then we have a blueprint mini for coaches and course providers and all of that, where we can just do that for an offer. So if you have a program that you want branded and the copy written for sales page, we can do kind of a mini version of of what we do just for that but we're at libertytype.com or at libertytype co on Instagram.
1: Love it. Okay, everyone go follow her and stay in her world because like I said, the some of the brands that you've worked with as well, like you you share some of the projects that you've like done in your many years of experience now and they look so freaking good. I mean, do you have we won't tell anyone. Do you have like a favorite? <laughs>
0: I don't think so. I love variety. Like that's one thing I'm really proud of is that we've done like moody and dark and bright and fun and light. And we've done every type of brand in every type of industry. And that's what I love. I love getting a new project that we get to explore and and have fun
1: with. Yeah, that's the one thing I miss about agency work. Like I I shut down my agency for a reason and I really am happy with where with what I'm doing now. However, there was something so fun about getting your hands into someone's brand and like working on their marketing with them and everyone's different and every day feels yeah. different, so I can appreciate that. Well, you're awesome Amanda. Thank you so much again for coming on the show and for sharing all your branding insights. I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks. thanks. Give yourself a pat on the back because you made it to the end, which means you gave yourself and your business some time today. If you found this episode helpful, I want you to know your support is what makes it possible for us to keep making it. So it would make my day if you gave us a five-star rating and review. I also want to make sure this podcast actually answers your marketing questions like for real, for real. So if you're a coach and you've got a marketing question that's keeping you stuck, just DM it to me over at Sophia Para on Instagram, or if you're in the United States, you can text it to my personal number at 917-810-2418. That way I can share resources or create a future episode just for you. See you on the next one.